Hello. A quick word about the time and place we are in right now. We started this podcast. Our inspiration was the fun we had drinking beer, comparing tasting notes, laughing, and telling our stories. And we've worked hard to keep our personal politics and beliefs out of the I Like Beer podcast, not because we don't have political views or strong moral convictions, but because this was our place to escape into a few beers and some laughs. Each member of the ILB team has strong political views, cares deeply about the country and world we live in, along with everyone living in it. Three of us are public school teachers who have dedicated our careers to educating young people into being thoughtful, caring, compassionate, intelligent citizens. We're all parents. In other parts of our lives, we are active in promoting our politics and supporting peace and love and compassion and social justice, as well as environmental causes. We absolutely support Black Lives Matter, the struggle against racism, against oppression, and for social justice. Talent can attest to my personal social media accounts. I am not shy or soft-spoken in my politics or my support for social justice, nor is anyone else on the team. You know, we will continue to provide the highest medium-quality entertainment on our podcast. We will continue to focus on what our vision is for this podcast, but we don't want to appear tone-deaf or blind to what's happening in the world around us. We love and respect our Black Brown, all other brothers and sisters, and will continue to actively support change in our real lives, even as we keep our podcast a place to have some fun. Thank you. Whiskey's too rough, champagne costs too much, vodka puts my mouth in gear. This little refrain should help me explain, as a matter of fact, I like beer. Welcome to I Like Beer, the podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm uh, the other Jeff. Producer Joe. Producer Joe's right. here, as always. He's here. Padre, father, <laughs> and, producer Joe. Uh, and slow-mo Tom should be joining us soon. At some point, once he gets here. This is the podcast for about great beer and the stories that go with him. We're at the Guadalupe Brewery Company in Vista, California, their Vista Tap House. This is our first field trip, so we're pretty excited about that. And we're sitting here with Raul. Raul, welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff and Jeff. <laughs> so we're very excited. We, we visited your spot in Carlsbad more than once and, and always been a big fan of what you do and and very happy to have you here in Vista with us. Thank you. Thank you. And so, so I go first. So our first, our big question usually with anybody we're going to talk to is really kind of what's the, the story <laughs> behind Guadalupe Brewing? Well, I hope this podcast has a lot of... Uh, memory for it because it, it would take a long time but <laughs> then but, i'm gonna take a sip of each just, of your uh, mexican lager yeah, start drinking start yeah. drinking it's gonna no just to make it easy on the listeners uh, it has been a long road it's not one of those and and usually a lot of the breweries everybody's a long road right uh somebody's been brewing for 20 years and they decide to start a brewery we start i started a brew with a friend of mine my neighbor showed me how to brew uh, we had this kind of dream, and we built a brew house, and we said, you know, we're going to start a commercial. Well, let's start. Uh, we built our own, like, 60-barrel, not 60-barrel, I wish 60-barrel, 60-gallon, right? Okay. So we, we built a, a two, we were going for a two-barrel brew house. We built it uh, out of, like, these, like, uh, maple syrup barrels. My buddy John knows how to weld, so him and I came up with the design uh, with the idea that it was going to be fully automated, like, have your iPad control it. It was going to be super cool. So we started that way, and then but we just started brewing on it, and I never got to install the iPad, but it was it was halfway there. <laughs> anyway, I was once in Mexico, and I used to take beers to this winery, 
a guy by the name of Joe Malagon uh, owns a winery down there called uh, Malagon Vineyards. And uh, he said, you know what, why don't you start making beer here? And I was like, really? You know, but then we'd have to go. And I said, well, it'd be cool to be like the first brewery in the Valle de Guadalupe. And I was like, it'd be really cool. So I kind of, I don't know what got in me. I said, hey, maybe we can do it. And so I asked my buddy John. And I said, you want to do it? We'll do it together. And then we'll get Joe involved. It'll be like a three-way partnership. And he's like, sure. And I'm like, okay. Well, once he said, yeah, I mean, I was going to. So, I mean, <laughs> we used to do all kinds of crazy. So we started a brewery in Mexico uh, about eight, nine years ago. We took our system that we designed over across the border. We threw it in a pickup truck and took it down there, <laughs> went across the border. And one one border entry said, no, nah, you can't get that through here. So we're like, okay. So it was like the, the opposite of prohibition. Right. It was, You're trying to it take was, the beer equipment was, into Mexico was, instead we, of, out of like, Mexico. We did all kinds of things. Like we we're coming across. And on one of the, I don't know why, but one of our barrels had like this flammable sticker that says something like flammable and we thought it looked really cool so we decided well let's just leave it on there because it's cool yeah. when we were crossing the border yeah. they're like oh you can't pass can't a tank that. that has that i'm like but it's empty they're like yeah but we don't know what they had so we're like flammable. the guy's like the guy's like look take it off go across the other entry point so i did that and we went through right so i mean stuff like that we had an import license we used to import all our grain buy it here so you take, take everything down there yeah everything with the pickup the black pickup truck in the back that sucker uh it has a name we call it blackie because it's a big black pickup truck right. and and that pickup truck used to take two pallets of grain across we you know fully <laughs> licensed so we'd uh, drop it off at the border. They package it, import it through. We pick it on the other side, and then take it all the way down to Valle Guadalupe, which is about an hour and a half right. south of the border. So we take it down there. At first, our initial um, brewing uh, three vessel brewing system was on wheels. So we used to wheel it out of the wine warehouse onto the dirt and brew all day, and then wheel it back in. <laughs> Eventually, we got a cement pad. So we just wheel it out to the cement pad. So it was nicer. <laughs> Eventually, on the cement pad, we built uh, a tin kind of brewery. Cover, yeah. So we had, a, I don't know, it must have been like 8 by 20 kind of feet room. And then we were able to hard pipe. Then those days were awesome because we'd Pretty show up like at Walter 7 in the White morning. And, and, yeah. and it was like, a, it was a, I mean, it was just a better feeling. So every every couple of months, you know, so were you guys the first brewery then in, in We were the Valley? first brewery. We were definitely the first, by all means, the first licensed brewery right. in Guadalupe. <laughs> uh, Key distinction. Yeah. yeah. Because in Mexico, they're like, well, this is a brewery. Right. But a lot of those breweries are just dudes brewing just out of their garage. Their, yeah. So, you know, it's like. Because that's a heavy wine region, right? Yes. Yeah, it's like, it's like you putting yeah. a brewery in Napa. Yeah. Everybody yeah. goes for the wine, but. Right. The winemakers used to always say that it takes a lot of beers to make a good bottle of wine. Right. So, <laughs> Very true. I agree. So, yeah. so they, you know, they used to love drinking our beer. We sold pretty much 90% of our beer that we made there was sold at this one restaurant owned by Javier Plasencia called Finca Altosano. Okay. And we were the number one selling beer there. We would outsell any beer they had there uh, because it's really hot and stuff. So What were you brewing there? El Vainillo and Tonantzin were our first okay. two beers. Right. So uh, El Vainillo, which is a really popular beer here. It's our cream ale. Very good. Uh, and Tonantzin, which is our golden Belgian, which is 8.5%. Mm. Um, those are the first two beers. And it's funny because 
what happened is Tonansi was the first beer I really got into brewing because I didn't want to brew to just brew like, uh, no offense, like a blonde beer or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm just going to buy that, right? right. Like, you can buy Tecate for like nothing, like three cents an ounce or something, like some crazy price. And I'm like, why would I even make that? <laughs> but I was telling my buddy, I said, well, he's like, I've been making beer for 10 years. I'm like, okay, well, can we make a Belgian? He's like, well, I don't even drink Belgians, much less make them. <laughs> so, but he's like, you probably can. But I'm like, okay, what do you make? He's like a brown ale. I'm like, okay, well, let's do a brown ale. So we made right. a brown ale. Uh, it came out good. And I'm like, okay, let's make a Belgian. He's like, yeah, well, let's go homebrew shop. Went over to Lars, homebrew uh, shop over there, Hydro Brew, which everybody used to go to. Talked to Lars, give me a golden Belgian recipe, gave it to me. I'm like, okay, we made it. It came out good. And then from there, I developed a, my own recipe. And I started making that recipe like every month, every other week. Tonantzin has been made in one year. I probably made it like 20 times. Right. Uh, I used to harvest that yeast and just constantly make it just to master that because it was my favorite beer. And that's where I got the love to make a beer, to make Belgian beers where I thought, okay, this is what I can't find here. And then mm-hmm. everybody else was making IPAs, which was right. awesome. I wasn't into the IPA scene, but I liked them. Your but IPAs said, are very unique. They're but I said, I, said, that. I said, why make an IPA? When I can just trade some of my Belgian exactly. beer yeah. to my buddy who's been making yeah. IPAs yeah. for 10 years, yeah. 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 I'd be like, okay, yeah. you make great IPAs. Yeah. Like, let's just trade, bro. Like, I don't need to learn that. Like, I'm, I'll take my route, right. you take your route, yeah. and we meet in the middle. And um, and so those are all good times. And So and when it, you're making beers down in, in, in Mexico, are you bringing them back across the border to, to distribute here, or are you selling down there? So it's funny. Well, we first started when – okay, so I started homebrewing in 2003 at first. And we used to make beers, and we used to know a couple people that worked in the brewing industry that were either, like, the bouncers of, right. like, Lost Abbey okay. or VP of Sales at Lost Abbey or this or that. And they used to have these parties at one of the guys' house. And at those parties, you would have nothing but, like, people that were beer tenders, yeah. brewmasters in the business, right? And they'd all hang out there, and people would bring their beer. Ken Schmidt, who's, like, home brewer of the year, you right. know, famous home brewer here in San Diego County. Used to bring his award-winning pillow mint stout, and and I'm like, Ken, what do you bring? I brought some like mint the stout. Ground, right? He'd always like, bring yeah, it, you know, yeah, but he'd yeah, already yeah, won yeah, an award yeah, and yeah. stuff, so he's <laughs> famous, you know. And so I'd bring my beers, and me and John would bring our beers and like present it, and they're like, present your beer. I'm like, I've got this one, it's this, and people pass around, and like, oh, this, and so you get feedback from like right. people in the biz that people in the know that know, yeah, and so. After like three or four of those parties and we had so much good feedback, it kind of like gave you the energy to be like, you know, we're on a good route. Let's do it. We're doing everything right. Um, yeah. I felt that we didn't have the capital to open it in the States. Okay. And maybe it was not a wise decision. Maybe we should just try to like go time, and yeah. do it at the time. But for some reason, this opportunity in Mexico was there. And if you ever went to Valle Guadalupe, as far as it is, I don't know how we did it. Like we would go there. Like I said, we'd leave at five in the morning. That's yeah, not easy hitting across. We'd the leave at five in the morning, yeah, get yeah. there. But in the morning, we'd see the sun right, coming right, over the right, mountains right, as we're right, getting right. in. It's beautiful. And we'd be like, "Oh, this is what we did." Yeah. We get there all refreshed and like yeah. do it. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, sometimes we get to hang out and have a beer finca yeah. and look at you know this wine region right. and get inspired. And and I think the Belgian beer kind of things worked well there. But on top of that, we'd be inspired by Mexican wine country and the flavors in Mexico. I grew up in Mexico. I went to high school in Mexico, middle school, elementary school in Mexico. So a lot of those things I grew up with were things that I was trying to incorporate into the beer. And that's kind of like how we got into it. And 
Well, there's a lot of beer education. So it was harder to sell your beer in Mexico because in Mexico, we would go to a festival. And the Mexico festivals are a little bit different than here. Here, a festival, you you know, they ask for two kegs of beer and you go there and they don't pay you for the beer, you know, mo- for the most of the time. And you just serve a free taster, right? right? So people just like, give me this, give me this, yeah. give me this. In Mexico, it's different because in Mexico, you're selling your beer. So in Mexico, right. the festivals, you buy a stand for, okay. let's say, right. 150 bucks. You sell four grand worth of product, yeah. That's not, that's good for you. So you got to sell. So you, you better sell, have a like, good beer. Right. Like you're not. They're not right. just like give me give this. Chase, right. Like if it's not good, they're not they're buying not it. You know, because right. everybody's got to pay. So, and the beer prices, trust me, weren't that cheap. So it's not like so uh, beer in Mexico. If you're a licensed brewery, you're paying twenty three percent tax on right. on the beer. Okay, which is another that's reason a, yeah, why another people are brewing out of their garage. Right now, why be legal? I'm not going to pay this tax. Right. But we, I always think that I'm going to be the first guy to get caught. So I just, you know, let's do it. Like that. But it, besides that, the whole point was we would do it and we would peddle our beer and go to the festival and sell it. But the thing is, in Mexico, when the first wave of artists and beer was coming out, people would come in and be like, usually you got two beers minimum, right? At, at your festival. And they'd be like, okay, what's your, what's your clara and your oscura? Right. And that means what's what your light know. and your right, dark, dark beer. Right, because that's what they know. And you're like, okay, well, my light beer is this one, <laughs> which is Tonancin, yeah. which is like super clear looking yeah. at eight and a half to nine percent. And my yeah. darker looking yeah. beer is El Vainilla, which I don't know if you right. have one, yeah, but it's, right right here. it's yeah. a little bit Waiting darker. It. It's right. more of a copper cream ale. So, you know, we had the educators like, this is your Dos Equis lager. Yeah, don't, you don't want to drink. Equis lager, and they right? would try yeah. both, and they're like, hey, I like this light yeah. one. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, and this is like some, like, you know, 52-year-old lady, you know, and uh, <laughs> which I'm like almost 52, so it's not bad, but, but, you know, and she would be like, oh, I really like this. And then they're like, pound it, and, you're, and I'm like, yeah, hold on. Slow down, slow down. That's yeah. a, you're, you're having two, teca, two tecates right. in this one beer. Right. So every time you pound one of those, you're having two beers. So like... Take it, and then yeah. you know you're uh, at the end of the sure, festival. Yeah. You see some ladies like this <laughs> on a chair, and you're like, "Oh, we gotta watch out. We gotta control that." You know? But we would sell. I mean, we went to one festival in Ensenada, and we sold through like three or four half barrel right. packs, yeah. and it was amazing. You yeah. know, I mean, so you're at the forefront of it though for Mexican. You know, basically, we were there yeah. when yeah. all the guys in TJ were like starting to do their heavy investment right. and right. popping out. Insurgentes was popping up. Right. When we left, Insurgentes. Had just finished their install of their new brewery yeah. and they were killing it. Border Psycho, really good friends with them. They're killing it. Yeah. Mahmoud. There's um, a bunch that have now opened up. Wendland yeah. yeah. and Ensenada. Yeah. Yeah. They they hadn't opened their actual production brewery at yeah. the time when we left. One of my favorite names is Aguamala. Aguamala. I think it's a great Nathan- name. Nathaniel from Aguamala yeah. is a yeah. phenomenal dude. Yeah. They make a great beer and, you know, they won GABF one year and that propelled them. Right. To a whole new level. So, yeah, we used to we used to sell pretty much all our beer was sold at one restaurant in Bahia or at three other restaurants in TJ. Okay. So at one point, when things were breaking up between the three partners, that we needed we 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 were so we were produced everything we produced we sold. Yeah. We said, okay, here's our two moves. Either we we were trying to get production guys in the wine country to help us, and we had a couple of assistants. But every time we get assistant. My uh, my partner at the time, he didn't like him. And in all fairness, it's just hard to get 
good help right. in the country. Nowadays, not so much. There's more people willing to go to Bahia Guadalupe, right. but at the time, nine years ago, you know, people that stay there, yeah. they're not the highest it's, quality. It's out, and the guys that do that are high quality, right. they're hard to get. Right. So it's like you got to get somebody from outside. So we said, well, why don't we move it to TJ? There's so many good homebrewers, so many good people like beer and TJ. We could get good help there. He didn't want to move it. So I said, okay, well, I tried to buy him out. He didn't want to do that. So I said, you know what? It wasn't working out. So we had to close operations and then start it up. And I was either going to start up in TJ or start up in in Vista. And so at the time, I don't know, I just came across this thing. I said, well, I can start it up in in the States and we'll start the homebrew shop with it. We'll be the southmost located homebrew shop. Right. So we'll be far away from Mother Earth and and Hydro Brew. And we'll be closer to Encinitas and for the Del Mar to Encinitas market to come and hit so us up. So what year was that in Carlsbad? When you guys opened up in Carlsbad? I want to say that was seven years ago, six, okay. seven years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm horrible yeah, with dates. Like Carl, but Carlsbad, yeah. Carlsbad yeah, Brew seven, Supply. Six, seven okay. years ago. We opened up Carlsbad Brew Supply with the intent to open up the brewery there, too. So right. about six months after we opened the Hydro Brew Store, we opened up the brewery. But they had passed a new law two months before we rented that place, which they didn't tell us about. That was like Carlsbad. You yeah. needed to get a um, conditional use permit, level right. three or four, whatever. And we're like, okay, well, we'll get it eventually. You know, it's not going to stop us. You know, we're like, we thought it was going to. Yeah. But when we started talking to them, okay, what's the application fee? Five grand. Right. Yeah. It's got to go city council vote, no guarantees. Yeah. Five grand. Like, yeah. And then it's like, then there's like a five to six to $800 mailing fee. So you're like fifty six hundred bucks off the bat right. with no guarantees, and then our landlord didn't like it that they were going to ask for all the stuff because it was like a weird permit and they got a evaluator and then like it might want you to do a traffic survey and we started adding all the line it's items. The cost of it, we yeah. had to get a we had to get a consultant on retainer, so there's fifteen hundred bucks, and, and you know I was like wait wait where's all this money? I started adding it up and it was some it was I mean it wasn't in the way over twenty thousand dollars right i'm not right. going to so tell you the exact good. amount yeah but it's but it because we're on the record here and, <laughs> and, and i like i like the, the people in carlsbad i don't you know i like right. them but they do business that's different just, that's than, just how they than, do business right yeah and and i really really like the people of vista yeah um but uh it just wasn't going to work out the, the roi for what we would end up having there and they kind of said you can only have 20 percent of the brewery space not counting the store to be your tasting room. And see, we kind of, it would have been like a 14-person tasting room. Right. We're like, well, that's pointless. That yeah, doesn't survive. Right. What, you get one group of people, two group, and the third group is going to be like, I don't want to go in there. And it was like, yeah. it's too crowded, you know. So well, this we said, out. This is a fantastic we said, place we said you know what? Yeah. That's not the place to be in the long run. We'll look for some place. And we started the brewery there, and we had it going on. And we started selling, like one year we sold to restaurants like crazy. Right. And I noted that, man, for every one for every one keg that I could sell in a tasting room, I have to sell four kegs in the and to, to a restaurant, restaurant right. to make the same margin. I said, yeah. Well that why am I working for the man? Right. So that you know, that didn't pan out. So it was a learning experience there. And then we and we used to do private events, which we could do, and we sold growlers, which we could legally do and sell retail and all yeah. that. We bottled, we survived and, and the store really helped us. When we came across this place, we said, okay, perfect. We're going to take this building that was built in 1930, and the city said they would love to have us here. We went to the city, showed them our business plan before we bought it, and they said, sure, do it. 
And we said, fine, and we can just fix this over here. It's going to cost so much. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. We do it. And then we start doing the building, the, the remodel of the fire damage. And my contractor notices that the foundation, you know, was kind of like iffy and it needed some extra work. And we had to fix the foundation. And so now we got to fix the foundation. Much now, project. Now when we fix the foundation, now the city's like, okay, well, now it's not just a fire remodel. Right, right. It's a full So now it's like you got to upgrade it to like 2017 or 2015, yeah. 2017 code, right? So now we're in it for sure. And yeah. so that... How long like, was this process in terms of when you guys said, hey, this is the property we want to basically where we are now? How, how long are we talking about? Year and a half. Year and a half, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd say about a year and a half. Yeah. And you guys, when did you guys open? It was about a year, a year and a half. But we opened uh, this, the tap house, we soft opened two months ago. Two months ago, okay. And we only open right now four days a week, four Thursday week. through Sunday. Yeah. And we're hopefully in a couple more weeks once this, like, July 4th weekend's over. Uh, I don't mean to date it, but. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry, no, guys. Good. You we're can good. cut that yeah, in. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, <laughs> we can, uh, we can, we'll start opening like six days a week. Six days so a week. Like, yeah. So what, what, is that your plan going forward? Be open about six days a week? And yeah, and then eventually week? seven days a seven week. Seven and then So. I, I, you know, I want my beer tenders to have more options and, uh, you know, get good crowds and right. be able to promote the events and everything. There was no point in just having it to where you got like dead days, right? Uh, and people can't park, and people still well, learn. Right now, with like the construction out front, exactly. that, that also it's, kind of if the construction wasn't in front and people can like as they're passing, like suddenly park and get off. Yeah. Hey, you'd be amazed how many people see us and they're like, "Oh, we saw you." And then yeah. we spent five minutes looking for parking, and then they still got off and, to go and yeah. check our beer. So, well, right. you're in a great you know, location with you know you've got the, the the kind of the downtown Vista with Mother Earth there now and 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 um, Bear Roots and and what is it Wavelength and Belching Beaver. Belching Beaver. And I think it's starting yeah. to, to kind of evolve down this way. Um, you know, so I think it's a and great soon location. This will just be walking distance. Yeah, people will have no problem. Well, hopefully, it's going to be right I mean, over. And, you know, we wish we had more restaurants. We have a great restaurant called 508. 508. I love it. One of my And favorites. then you got Partake and a Pacifico, right, right? right? So you got three restaurants, except two of them are across the street, and the street's under construction. Right, so it makes it tough. People are doing 50 miles per hour right. on it. Right. So it's, like, very dangerous. Yeah. You know, I don't want It'll to come see. around. But it does um, seem that's Vista's plan is it's it, coming it, down it's South Santa Fe. It's going to be really nice, yeah. But we we usually, we try, we're trying to get more and more food vendors. When we've had right. food vendors here, it's great. Yeah, if you can get the food uh, trucks come in. And so any, it, we can't do food trucks. So oh, that's really? One of, okay. That's right. one of the issues we kind of have is that we can only do pop-ups because the, the downtown Vista uh, permits only permit pop-ups for us. Okay. And downtown Vista doesn't allow food trucks At or all. even pop-ups. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So. So we're under their same rules uh, that we can't have a motorized. But if someone came truck. in there and sets up a sets up, but a, a pop up, we can have. We had these there. folks from Geister Meister. Right, we right. had that other pizza Which place, so, so. and they're great. You yeah. know, so if they have some like, and it's just it limits our um, our pool of people right, we right. can pick from. So it makes it a little bit harder, but we'll, we'll get there. And we're in it for the long haul. I mean, uh, like I said, we took and spent a year and a half here renewing this, and we should have been done in half of the time. Right. But we had other hurdles. But just so you know, the city of Vista, I think, and you know, you can quote me on this. Uh, when we went to the get the building permit and stuff, not the building permit, but the per- business permit for the tasting right. room, I think it was like 160. Yeah, so they're yeah, definitely they 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 so in, com- no yeah. Yeah. in comparison yeah. to this other thing, you yeah. know. So, so, so they were like with open no, arms, what going the, like, "Oh yeah, here," and we're like, "And we're like, how much? What? Yeah. Yeah. So, what? Now you're already serving ten beers here right. with a, with a very good variety for ten beers. 
And, and we appreciate that, that we'll you've got something other than week, IPAs. So. But yeah, we see Monserveza on the list there. So what do you got planned in the brewery? So we got, a, oh, we got one of our staple kind of West Coast IPAs, which... So our hooked IPA is kind of the easy drinking, well-balanced, almost, you know, old school IPA, but with not as much malt. By old school, I mean it's well-balanced between hops. It's easy drinking. It is. Both, like both an Aurora both. Hoppy yeah. Alice. You can right. just pound right. one. But it's crushable. It's not. That's what we hear all the time. I'm not hip enough yes, to yeah, exactly. crushable. No, are neither, neither are we. We, 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 did it. we had uh, sarcastic air yes, quotes yeah, around it. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, but then we have we're trying to bring in the modern West Coast IPA. So not quite the palate wrecker from Green Flash or you know right. the original Sculpin that really hit you in the back of the throat. But still more punch in there. Still a good balance, and then at the end, the flavor that's still well balanced, and you got that West Coast IPA that, that's more modern. That is our cool and green, and that'll be kegged uh, sometime this week. So, in about another 10 days, it'll be released as it's you know conditioning in the keg, and that's going to be our cool and green. That's our West Coast IPA, and then we have a bunch of other beers that we've kind of been keeping in the wings. Some of the more aged beers we have, some sours. Uh, we've won an award for our sours before. We got uh, we got a couple of stouts, uh, a rye whiskey barrel aged stout, and uh, a rum barrel aged stout that we haven't put out. And then we have a couple of uh, we have a sixteen and a half percent wheat wine. It's called my grandmother's my, my grandmother's old fashioned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then, speaking of names, yeah. probably one of the best names that we've seen, Drunk Elvis. Yeah, tell us like, the special release, that. Drunk Elvis. Drunk Elvis yeah. is, we kind of started doing this thing since we have the connection with the home brewers. We tapped the shoulders of several of our home brewers that are, you know, either well-known or would like to work with us. And we do some collaboration. So one of our, our home brewers is a pair of guys. They have this um, blog or Instagram thing going on. It's called the Growler Hour, and they hang around and get groups of people and go places and they make beers together. So we did with the Growler Hour in conjunction with uh, Matt and Chris. We came up with this concept of they they were doing pastry stouts. I said, well, I've been I want to do some pastry stout. Let's come up with an idea. So right. we all kind of got together and I like Elvis. They came up <laughs> with this idea like, why don't we make this? I'm like, okay, well, here's how you're gonna make it. They're like, well, what if we do? I'm like, that's not gonna work out. So. You know, we, we pick and choose, like, okay, how are we going to make this work? And this is the this is the pilot batch. This okay. Drunk Elvis is the, the pilot, pilot batch. batch. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So well, it's not even the scale. For the yeah. scaled up batch, we're going to have to tweak some tweak things. A bit. Yeah. And we really like this base to maybe move on to some other cool stuff. So the Drunk Elvis might live again, but <laughs> something newer. <laughs> uh, we kind of have like a Mexican recess cup. Oh, oh wow! That'd be concept that's going to come off of the drunk Elvis. Okay. That sounds fantastic. Um, and so that is the concept. I kind of like unveiled that, but the idea is we're going to take this one. The next one's going to be a pilot of the Mexican recess, and then we'll have two, and then we might make a big batch and try to split them See out right, very uh, cool. and bring drunk Elvis and the Mexican recess. Very cool. cool. And so the Mexis, I can't say recess. Re- right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Got the it. Mexican. <laughs> Neither can we. Uh, peanut butter. <laughs> Mexican peanut butter. Peanut butter. There you go. So, but somehow you go. found yourself back to Mexican lager with Gonzafos. Yeah. Gonzafos is, uh, we, we, we tried to make a lager with a lot of corn in it. I almost think it has a little bit too much corn. It comes through interesting. And we're probably 
change that. But we did it with a Mexican lager yeast and everything. It's funny because a lot of my brewer friends are making Mexican lagers. I go, well, you used to use, oh, I used the German right. lager yeast. Yeah, I'm like, man, I'm using yeah. the wrong yeast, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's fun and it's different. Uh, it works really well with micheladas. So on Sundays, we do micheladas. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. And, and I think the beer is actually tailored for micheladas. It just has the right balance for it. People tend to really like it. You know, they say it tastes more like beer because our micheladas are like two-thirds beer, one third clamato, where I think in other places like a 50 50, and yeah. it's too red. Um, so we do yeah. those. We have our little stirring tamarind sticks with, uh, you know, the rim of tahini on them. Yeah. So we, we very definitely, cool. uh, very cool. We, we got some, uh, we actually have a, uh, uh we're, we're one of our home brewer, um, collaborations we're going to be releasing in a couple of weeks is called, uh, it's a Kolsch. And it uses New Zealand Pacifica hops. All right. So it's a Pacifica Kolsch. Uh, that's one of those. Um, so basically, you need to be checking back here regularly. Yeah, things yeah. Are so we, we will be on yeah. constant rotation yeah. on, on little things. And we're always kind of trying to keep some things seasonal. We got um, our Saison. I don't know if you had our Saison. Yeah. But I like it. Uh, it's pretty clean for a saison. It's very traditional. I enjoyed your uh, the fifty fifty. I think that's just a, what a great like uh, that's great that's our summer summer seasonal. beer. Yeah, 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 just a summer beer. And uh, the saison actually, what we do is we take some of those kegs and we introduce freshly squeezed uh, watermelon oh, juice wow. in it, oh, okay. and we call it our sandia saison. Right. And that one is pretty popular during the heat wave. So yeah. we'll try to get that one out next month. Very good. And uh, in the month of August, I hope to have the backyard. Uh, set all up. set up nice. and uh, permitted, and we'll have bands, cornhole, uh, ready to go, picnic tables. You'll be able to drink outside and inside. Awesome, perfect. Well, we really Thank appreciate you, you uh, appreciate taking your time. Want to say Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Salute, bro. Salute. Yeah. Salute. Thank you, Joe. Cheers. All right. Well, thanks. Well, thanks for your time, Roll. Yeah. And good we, luck we with will, everything. We'll yeah. be back. We will be dead back, most <laughs> definitely. So, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Anytime, thanks. guys. Yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. That was Raul. That was fantastic. Yeah. And we were drinking while he was sharing his story with us, the Consafos Mexican Lager, 4.6. And it, it, it is good, just like he described it. Very, yeah. And I think he, he, like he said, he used a lot of corn in there, and that's where you get kind of that sweetness that we talked about. And, uh, yeah, it's very good. Very, but, you know, it's not – sometimes with the – uh, commercial Mexican lagers, they have a, a lot of sweetness to them, right. and, I, and I don't, I don't care for that. But this is just right; it's more of a smoothness, a sweetness. Yes. Tom's with us. Welcome, Tom. Hey, Tom. How hey, guys. How are you? He was a guest like four weeks ago. I never lost him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <He's> <laughs> can't get rid of me that easy. <laughs> All right, that was a great guy. Good to have yes. you. Yeah, what a great story. Great story. Yeah. Yeah. That was really We'd had heard a little of his story a year ago or so and, and thought, okay, this is this guy. When we were thinking of a storyteller that we, you know, we want to hear a story behind beers, story behind the brewery, we, we, we thought of him right away. Yeah. And it just so happened they were opening up. Right. Perfectly. But again, still the uh, the uh, the drunk Elvis, one of the best names I think you're going to find. Here we find. go. We're going to try drunk Elvis. And it is unique. And it's, it's listed as what is an imperial stout with peanut butter, banana, chocolate, and honey. So again, how do you come up with that mix of, of uh, right. ingredients? Yeah. Um, and it, it sounds that's like what we, Elvis ate. That's what's uh, right. super unique. Yeah. He used to do peanut butter and banana and smells honey. And like when you smell and toast, yeah. yeah. When do you, you smell it, too? I think so. Yeah. You can smell the peanut butter. It, it's a strong one too. Twelve point. But it is 12, 12, yeah, twelve point <laughs> three ABV. It's very strong. Very definitely. Here, here it goes down the hatch. <laughs> definitely the finisher for the night if you're going to have it. That is a lot of flavors going on. I like it. I like yeah. it, but it is a lot of 
It's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. It is almost as if you it's took a bite of banana, peanut butter, yeah, and honey all at once. It's very, very There's like a circus of flavors going yeah, on. Yeah, your tongue stuck to the top of your palate. Mm. So, it does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I really like That's the smell of it. Crazy. I'm guessing taste. by, this, I'm by so the fact that you're saying the, the smell of it means that the taste of it came second yeah, to the smell? Yes. <laughs> oh, I like this. Maybe third. <laughs> I'll be finishing that one. That That's fantastic. Uh, all right. Well, this has been a great trip to the Guadalupe Brewery. Yep, it's on uh, Vista south, 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 south Santa Fe and Vista, and and don't let the uh, the construction out front dissuade you. Dissuade you, yeah, you can, sure. Just pull around yeah. back. There's plenty of parking, and as he said, they're going to have their uh, their grand opening in in uh, August with a bunch of new beers coming in, and they'll have a back uh, their their area in the back because he said the kind of the backyard will be set up as uh, mm-hmm. kind of a hangout area and, and uh, you definitely should come by and check it out and don't worry about the food because places will bring food right here exactly. to you and all the vista restaurants are set up to bring uh, yeah. food right out to the brewery so you can yeah, if, you uh, haven't, if you haven't gone across the street just down was at 508 man korean tacos at 508 we, you know we may we may end i think up that's there. where we're heading out right now so all right thanks for listening guys all all right, right. Thanks. cheers cheers right. oh. give me a slow cheers <laughs> B double E double R U M beer run. B double E double R U M beer run. All we need is a ten and a five or a car and a key and a sober driver. B double E double R U M beer run.